Bring back Carlson Wenger. That's what I think. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Game Time Podcast. A busy week, this one, what with the League Cup happening and lots of Premier League games to come, as well as the January transfer window. That always rolls around at this time of year. Talking through it with me, it's Tim and Alan. Alan, how you doing? Tim? Bonjour, very well. Yeah, how are we doing? good considering the League Cup tie, but yeah. Oh, it's a beautiful segue. Let's, let's start with that, why don't we? Tottenham won, Chelsea nil. VAR scandals galore. I'm guessing you watched the match, Tim. What did you think of it? Uh, I mean, I'm not as bitter as I probably should be because I genuinely think that Chelsea played better on the day. But um, it was the, the issue we've been faced with the entire season and the season before that in that we just can't score a goal. Um, we'll get to the VAR thing in a minute. But, you know, it was, it was a good performance from, from both sides. Um, but I genuinely think Chelsea were better. It's just we did really suffer in the final third. Well, I mean, you said we'll get onto it in a bit. Let's get onto it straight no. away with the, with the VAR decision. Do not, well, before he starts, do not <laughs> besmirch the good name of Harry Kane MBE. It's like he took the word Continue. right out of my mouth. Uh, Harry Kane dive? Yes. <laughs> that's a, nas- that's a national yes, treasure you're talking about. Oh. Continue. <laughs> In, in the strictest rules of the law, no. But he's, he's obviously looked for contact and dragged his leg across and then flipped. And then flipped over with some velocity, uh, which I don't think was particularly natural looking. Um, but, yeah in, the, yeah, in the strictest rules of the law, I suppose it was a penalty. Him. But it was a bit cynical, yeah, though, from him. I've got to say that. The, the whole controversy of it was eventually because the penalty was given and was it a dive, was it not a dive? But it seemed to take an absolute age to figure out that that's what they were actually looking at because initially it was the offside call against him that they were looking at, which sort of messed things up a bit. Tim, I'd imagine you probably have a different outlook on that whole uh, dive, not dive. What do you think? I'm a bit conflicted. <laughs> I'm a bit conflicted. I do, I do think it was a penalty, um, just because, like, if you watch that in... No, I know. If you watch that in, oh my like, real time, and even in slow motion without sort of the idea of AAR, like, if that was on Match of the Day in slow-mo and you watched it, you'd think, yes, it's a penalty, because, you know, Kepa missed the ball, he did get contact with Kane, um, and it was, you know, he was in the penalty area. So it there's that sort of point like and I do think it is a penalty but the whole thing of sort of VAR is that yes it clears up what the referee can't see but it also you know is there to help sort of eliminate diving and what you know I think we we talked about this uh, a couple of months ago and like sort of what constitutes a dive or not and Harry Kane was looking for contact because you could see that his first touch wasn't very good and it took him away to get away from the uh from himself and the keeper and like he was basically out of control of the ball and so 
what VAR should then be able to clear up is that, like, you know, he was looking for contact. It wasn't natural. He sort of wasn't really trying to stay on his feet, and therefore, maybe it shouldn't be a penalty. But considering that VAR hasn't even come into the Premier League yet, and it's only been used in certain cut matches and all that nonsense, I think it's fair enough to say that it was a penalty. Again, and then we come to the other issue that they took. It was 93 seconds between them starting to check it and then decision being given, which is a lot quicker than some of the things we've seen, especially in the World Cup. But it could have been a bit clearer from it being, is this offside? Is it not offside? What are they checking now? Or was it the penalty? I don't know. And then after a minute and a half, they decided it. But there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that it needs to improve on. But I thought, it, you know, it did a decent job. I think the tricky thing as well yeah. is that, I, I did, who was the referee on the night? Was it Michael Oliver? Yeah, so Michael Oliver, he, he won't have had enough practice, to be honest. It's a League Cup semi-final, and he hasn't had the chance to implement this in the league. Because obviously the Premier League hasn't adopted yet. Um, I don't know why we're trialling it for the League Cup and not going going for the Premier League. So they can do it week in, week out. It's no point in them doing it one game and then having to wait another two months before they can have a crack no, at it. That's a great point. This has got to be practiced. That's a great point. And, like, and the they're Premier not League opportunity. to not have it. But then, the, the, you know, the League Cup did. So they're sort of blooding and in yes, the Cups. But then you're right, they don't have enough practice the referees and having to have enough practice doing it it's a terrible way of doing it they've got to do it through the league yes there's probably going to be some kinks to work out early on because we've seen that from the league cup games the world cup games but the surest way of making sure it's like an established practice and uh, well better operate well, is well, through doing it in league games i think as well and this is my opinion and feel free to disagree with that i think we've lost the essence of of what offside is supposed to do i saw this on twitter and I can't for the life of me remember which journalist it was, but he talked about how the idea of offside was just to stop people goal hanging. And now it's gotten to the point where you have narrowed offside down to almost inhuman abilities to tell the difference. It it should be. VAR is there to help, but when a player is offside or not offside by like the end of his toenail, I think it's probably gone too far. I remember the rule, and this is maybe throwing it back. I remember where there was a rule, it was like, if there's daylight between the players. And I know that's difficult to kind of nail down what daylight is, but I think it should just go back to that. If there's a clear division between two players, then it's offside. Because even with VAR, it's almost impossible to tell, especially with that Harry Kane one. You saw it from the VAR angle showed he was onside. And then from Chelsea's footage, it showed he was offside. So... I think it's just almost an, a losing battle. The only thing with that is, uh, if if it's not a yes or clear cut, yes or no, offside or not, then you introduce ambiguity, and then you say, well, what, what's offside then? A leg, a foot, half a meter, and then you you sort of having doubt. It, it, I think it's probably right to have it clear cut, to be quite honest, because then you've got to draw a line somewhere. Saying they're not goal hanging, there's no way to. To quantify that, there's no way to say he's, he is goal hanging or he's not. Is it, yeah, no, no, you, totally you've got to do it as easy. I just think the, the quantifiable feature needs to be made more aware because I think sometimes players are given offside for one reason and then two games later, they're offside again for the same reason, but then it's not given. And yes, VAR has to help, but ultimately the computer sure. isn't the thing that makes the decision. It's the referee in the middle. And he can still make a wrong decision, even if he sees it on TV. Yeah, yeah, fair. Oh, I was, I was going to ask one thing about this game, actually, and I, I'll pitch this to Tim. Uh, was the token appearance for Hudson-Odoi a little too late? 
He, he did. Oh, no, I no, see what you mean. absolutely. But in the wake of all this Bayern Munich speculation, it's, it's suddenly allowing him to start a game. I, to be honest, like William and Pedro both weren't hundred percent fit for the match, so it genuinely. Sarri said in his comments before he wants, you know, he wanted two wingers that can play the entire ninety minutes, starting being uh, Hazard and sort of Hudson Odoi was playing, and then William got subbed off, you know, in sort of for Pedro because neither of them could do 90 minutes so I think it made sense for him to start whether it's enough to keep him to stay or not I bloody hope so but um, like he genuinely played quite well especially in the first 15 minutes he was great Uh, and in the FA Cup match a few days ago as well he genuinely played really well assisting two goals to Morata who like God couldn't make score so, like, he's, you know, he's genuinely a talented winger. I, I honestly believe that he's better than, especially William, but Pedro as well. He just needs enough game time to show it. And I'm hoping that, you know, he sort of realises that he is going to start getting minutes and a move to Germany maybe isn't the best idea, especially in January. Um, and he can at least stick out for the summer. Is it not the best move? Because Robin yeah, and Ribery are both uh, leaving Bayern. So he's he's staring down the barrel. So you're thinking he's going to get game time there. He's going to get to flourish as a player. Surely he looks at uh, Sancho and thinks that's the best route for me compared to uh, maybe Ruben Loftus Cheek. Yeah, maybe still sitting on the I bench. Think, I think it makes more sense if he's going to go to go in summer. No, I think it makes more sense for him to go in um, summer. And I okay, think like because I genuinely think he will get minutes um, in the Premier League and in various other competitions for Chelsea for the rest of the season. And to be honest, I do think he likes the club. And I think he, you know, if he was guaranteed it 100%, I think he would stay. Because I do think, you know, he enjoys being there. He's grown up through the the ranks. Like, and there are, you know, a lot of, like, there is a huge portion of the Chelsea fan base that loves Hudson-Odoi and sees how good he is. And I genuinely think that, you know, if he, if he is guaranteed the minutes, he will stay. Um, he just needs to play. And, like, you give him five matches on the trot and he will show how good he is. And at that point, you then can't not play him. But then Christian Pulisic is coming in in the summer as well. So that will be a very interesting time. For... Yeah, just sell William and Pedro and then they could all play Hazard, Pulisic and Hudson Adoy up front, three of them sorted. There it is. Job sorted. Right, let's move on to the other League Cup game. And I'll be honest, VAR didn't need to tell us who won this game. An absolutely massive scoreline as Manchester City thump Burton Albion by nine goals to nil. Well, what what do we really say about this apart from City look very, very on it and against an unfortunately weaker Burn Albion side? Well, yeah. I mean, to quote Gary Lineker, uh, <laughs> they scored more goals than there was fans in the stadium. Yeah, I think it was about a tenth full or something the Etihad, wasn't it? It's such a, it's an unfortunate draw for Burton because I thought, look, looking at the teams, I mean, a lot would have to go right, but it would have maybe been possible for them to maybe sneak a a result or a draw perhaps against Tottenham or Chelsea. Uh, Tim, you talk about Chelsea's lack of goal scoring lately. They could have maybe frustrated them. But City, I mean, they I don't think there was going to be any other any other result there. And you just hope they can keep it sensible for the second leg because no, I mean, you don't want to start breaking records. <laughs> I mean, it's already broken what, a record. Burton Albion needs to win the uh, second leg, what, 10-0? <laughs> <Solid>. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I mean, right. I, I, I understand Pep's reasoning in this. Sorry, you know, he just wanted to win outright, you know, and no one's blaming him for it, of playing a strong team, because, you know, you're at home, you want to play a strong team and just get out of the way. Admittedly, 9-0 is very harsh, but I think he's then got the uh, 
opportunity to play some younger players in the um, second leg as well. But like, no one's blaming it. It's just really unfortunate that Burton, who, you know, for playing, you know, potentially the best club in England, didn't play horrendously badly. City were just really, really good. But, um, like, it, you're right, I think right, it's a shame they came up against them. And no, no, we didn't have much magic, uh, magic of the cup in this time. No, not particularly. It, it, it was tough. Well, tough in a way for City because I was saying this to a friend before the game that uh, I mean, there's no winning for them because if they if they if they only win by a small margin, they'll say City struggled against a weak weak team, and then if they they beat them by a big <laughs> margin, it's like all oh, bully City. They're going to win either way, um, it, it, morally at least. Um, but yeah, well, it, it, can they come back beyond though? I would really like. Burton to go one nil up in the second leg, and the commentator <laughs> to go, oh, the comeback's on. Nine more Guaranteed. Question, question for you is: uh, Are bet, yeah. our betting shops going to give us another replay of Manchester City's thumping of West Ham, where the second leg they offered the keys to certain shops across the country if West Ham made a comeback? Do you think we'll see another one of those? Probably. What, <laughs> what are you doing here, Danny? Dredging up, dredging up a West Ham loss from six years ago. No, how? What? When was it? Five years ago, mate. I, I'm just very good at segueing League Cup thumpings to each other. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, bookended those two uh, semi-final. No, those two legs. Sorry, bookending a. Uh, a 4 0 loss to <laughs> Forest as well. It was a good month uh, to be a West Ham fan. Yes, indeed, he was. Uh, yeah. uh, one thing that I want to pick stuff. up from that game as well, I'm not sure if you saw it. Uh, Alexander Zinchenko scored his first ever Manchester City goal. Did it not celebrate. Shot, though, was it? <laughs> did not celebrate at all. I, the look on his face was just like, well, I didn't mean that. And we're already it was... up, so... <laughs> It was such a cross. It just looped over the keeper. It was ridiculous. Oh, unbelievable indeed. Uh, right, we're going to take a short break now. But after the break, Alan, get ready. We're going to be talking about West Ham, uh, some other Premier League, some other Premier League. Yeah. Take our fancy this weekend and Team of the Millennium and a new feature coming up. If you're an MMA fan, be sure to check out the new Switchkick podcast. We preview upcoming events, discuss the big UFC and Bellator news, and John from Philadelphia drops in to give us a few betting tips. To listen, search for Switchkick MMA on SoundCloud or Switchkick in the Apple Store. This episode is sponsored by Kangaroo Jack Fitness, personal training that goes above and beyond to get the best results for you. Right, welcome back from the break. And as I said, we're going to be talking Premier League for a bit. Let's kick it off, not with West Ham. We'll, uh, we'll let you some time to, to mull over that, Alan, before we go uh, full steam ahead into what's happening what? at West Ham this weekend. Let's start it off with the big game of the weekend. It's Tottenham Hotspur versus Manchester United. Oh, the, uh, what was that? Sorry, you said the big game. And you said the big game and then yeah, said Tottenham. West Ham Arsenal doesn't quite have the same uh, attraction to it. No, huge game. Um, is that the, it's on the Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. You know uh, what? You, you confident, Danny? Yes. Look, rejuvenated under Reading, But that was with a lot of changes. So that's fine. And we still got a 2-0 win and a clean sheet. You know what? If there's ever a time that Manchester United fans can feel confident, 
it's now. Both Tottenham and United have identical records over the last six games. Five wins and a loss. So why not? Granted, Tottenham have scored a shit ton of goals and Hyungmin Son still hasn't gone to the Asian games. But hey, confident. Quietly confident. None of your... Well, none of the Man <laughs> U players have MBUs. I love Harry Kane. Um, and quite frankly, the fact that you don't is hateful. Uh, but yeah, what do we think? Go on, Tim. For this? Kick us off. What do you think? Well, for Tottenham United. Yes. Oh, um, I, I, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think uh, Man United will. This is the best chance they've got of beating someone like Tottenham. Like the way they've been playing over the past sort of month or so. Like you've been playing really good football, and if there's a way to beat Tottenham, that's it. Um, I think Pogba and Rashford could both be dangerous players in that match. But you know, it's Tottenham. They've been playing really well pretty much all season. Um, they've got Harry Kane up front. He can score. It's so it's whether you know, your defence is, is strong enough to keep out Kane, Eriksson, Son, Deli Alley for an entire 90 minutes uh, and then be able to score enough to beat them if they can't. So I genuinely think it could be a really good match. Um, I think Tottenham will edge it, but as I said, this is the best chance you've got. I think it will It will definitely be entertaining, if not um, slightly unhappy for Man United fans. Hmm. Alan, what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, they were very patchy during December, uh, weren't they? But they seem to have picked up a bit of form. Uh, Hyun Min Song will be playing. He will, he will indeed. He's he's going to be a massive factor. Almost almost more so, I think, than, than Kane. Despite the fact, I, I yeah, struggle to say that, <laughs> being, being his number one fan. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> the way he's playing lately, um, I mean... It, Obviously, the game against Tranmere isn't the best sort of yardstick of how well Tottenham are doing, but it was pretty brutal then. It was very good against Cardiff, and uh, yeah, he'll be a key key player. But yeah, I, I, I mean, this is a big challenge for Manu, and I'm, I'm not sure if it's just a bit too early because I think Tottenham are a more polished unit. Yeah, at the moment, I'd be inclined to agree with you. As I said, I'm, I'm confident because this is the best Manchester United seem to have played this season. They, the players look happy, as you said. They look like they want to try different things, but with the rate at which Tottenham are scoring goals and the way Manchester United just seem to concede goals for finding games that they're playing very well in against Bournemouth, just a scrappy set piece conceded to Nathan Ake. Huddersfield, again, playing well, end up conceding there, giving a penalty away to Cardiff. It, it just seems that it's not quite consistently clicking at the back for United. Saying that, they have kept two clean sheets on the bounce. It wasn't exactly a baptism of fire either, though, was it, for uh, for Solskjaer? Newcastle. Well, uh, Cardiff, Huddersfield, Bournemouth. No disrespect for Bournemouth. <laughs> Newcastle, Reading. This is by far and away the oh, most God. significant game of his tenure. Uh, well, we'll learn a lot from he this weekend. That way. Right, let's move on to West Ham then. Are they going to have to learn to cope with that? Oh, Talks of him going to China, though. West Ham have put a nice little post up on Twitter saying, he's not for sale, go away. <laughs> well, I don't want to talk about Pye Mark II. Um, Just worse at free kick. Uh, it's like having PTSD or something. It's all coming back to me. This is horrible. I was going to name my firstborn Marco. And he's not closer to Mitri. 
again, I well, we weren't doing well. We weren't doing the pod back then, but I did claim and promise to everyone that I was going to name my firstborn Dimitri. I can vouch for that. He did. Um, even if it was a girl, even if it was a girl. Um, but yeah, that aside, uh, I mean, it doesn't help that because we have a bit of a skeleton squad at the moment. Uh, we are. If you look at our injury list, it is significant, mm. and they're all first-team players uh, that are out. I, when I say first-team, I mean like they would be in the starting eleven, not just making up the reserves and subs. Uh, but, but however, uh, Arsenal uh, at the back are a bit makeshift themselves at the moment, aren't they? Playing Xhaka in recent games, and oh, I, I fancy he a bit did of come Carol back, against didn't he? that. Did you see his very emotional celebration yeah. when he? Actually, something that header in the FA Cup looked like he wanted to run to run to the fans, but there was like mm, an advertising board and 400 meters worth of racing track in the way. Oh. I also saw him miss two absolute <laughs> sitters before that, Danny. Uh, emotional or just relieved? Uh, I I tend to think the the latter on that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, in the air, he, he's an absolute behemoth. But I it, I suppose it depends what Arsenal turn up and and how their defence is looking. Tim, one thing that I was going to put to you, Arsenal boss Unai Emery today, actually, came out in an interview and said that his team cannot afford to sign players in January, that they could only loan players. What do you make of that? Is that the absolute biggest throwback to Arsene Wenger possible? Yeah, literally, like, it's... I'm pretty sure Arsenal fans waking up to that might have just immediately shit themselves. Um, like just all bodily functions fail it's ridiculous they're one of the richest clubs in, in England they're one of the richest clubs in the world the fact that they can't afford to sign players doesn't genuinely doesn't make sense whether it's him like Emery not getting backed and it's something we haven't heard like from behind the scenes or whether it's because they think the squad's good enough which it isn't because um, they're not top four yet and you know like if you're fifth in the Premier League, with genuinely what Arsenal are a decent chance of getting in for and making Champions League next year, what are they, three points off or something? Like, how are they not spending money to bring in who they need to try and get the top four position? They've got the highest or second highest scoring player in the in the league this year in Aubameyang, another great striker in Lacazette, like a genuinely decent midfield now. And just a weak defence. How are they not spending money to try and, like, you know, strengthen their, their defence and then try and make top four? It just doesn't make sense to me. And and not only that, they're letting Ramsey go on a free. Yes. A, a player who, in the current market, should would probably cost 30 yeah. to 40 million to replace. Uh, and you're not going to find a player like Ramsey uh, up for loan. No. That's for sure. Um, he he is a well. Whatever you think about Ramsey, you can't argue that he's a good squad player for Arsenal, and he's he's a player that will be hard to replace. It's it's baffling, and I mean, if I was an Arsenal season to Calder, I'd be wondering where my was it one and a half grand, two grand goes. Yeah, one of the most, ex- most one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive, season ticket in the Premier League. They have a stadium that's the most expensive. Yeah, have a, a stadium that's completely paid off as well, so they don't have any debts in that area. Is it just the board? Is that what it's boiling down to? As much as everyone else has, has been saying, oh, Wenger needs to go, Wenger out, all this stuff. Is it the board that is simply not backing the players? 
Or, granted, they have spent 27 odd million on Lucas Torreira, bought Burnt Leno in for about the same amount. Socrates came in for about 15 mil. Abamyang as well. They're spending money. Is it just that they don't have any more money to spend? I don't believe that though, because they've got they've got a lot of money. They're a rich club. Maybe Emery's choice of words, Paul. Maybe they, the board want to make signings in in the summer. Uh, mm. Like you said, they spent a hundred this summer, didn't they? And seventy in the January previous to that. So there is there there is a bit of spending, and they're not exactly uh, shying away in the market. Um, it it is it is a strange thing to come out with though, and uh, it'd be interesting to see. Obviously, it's some time away, but what happens in summer? Yeah, yeah. I, I, if, if if they're still adopting that approach, then because they're really going to have to open up the ca- uh, checkbook at some stage, and they're going to have. I mean, they're going to have to spend upwards of one hundred and fifty million. Uh, uh, yeah, probably one hundred fifty million to be closer to contenders. As in, that that might even be what it takes to get into the Champions League at this stage. Some players go for other teams are 50 million alone. Well, exactly. But the, the other four, well, the other teams that are going to populate the top four are still well ahead of mm-hmm. them in the defensive and midfield areas. They just have they're the most top-heavy team in the Premier League. It's, They've got an unbelievable striker and nothing to This is what I don't up. get, though, is they spent that money in the summer and genuinely improved their squad for the first time in years because under Wenger they were spending sort of a bit of money on some players and not improving anywhere else like they've gen- they've drastically improved their team and yet they're still not going to back it up with the another even one signing of a defender in January would be big for Arsenal and yet they're not doing anything to help that like it just doesn't as a model just doesn't work for me because they've spent the money and like there's no way that the, the board or the owner can't dish out another fifty million pounds to try and sign one defender to then help them this season. Like, you've got to be quids in at this point. Emery's done as much as he can. I mean, he's done. He did brilliantly to what was it, twenty-two games unbeaten, mm. and then obviously he's lost a few since then. But it shows he has improved the players. And if I was on the board, you think you quids in at this point? Back Just if they need a set, if you need a centre back, give them a centre back because. Financial benefit of them leaping up even one place or two places is huge. Um, Arsenal got to be careful that they don't stray stray away from the Champions League or being competitive for too long. Because then they really won't have the money to spend. Oh no, just give him the money. For goodness sake, give Henry the money. He's done, he's done brilliant. Just back yeah. him a bit further. Just imagine Unai Emery doing his best impersonation of Tom Cruise, but in the boardroom. From from clearly Jerry Maguire. I'm not thinking of other. Are things. you okay? Oh, I was about to say, are you all right, Danny? <laughs> Mr. Impossible. Yes, he's doing his best Tom Cruise da, impersonation da, from da, Ghost da, Protocol. Da, 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 da. He's scaling. No, I was clearly talking about Jerry Maguire when he shouts, "Show me the money!" down the phone. But you ruined my joke, so we're going to move on. Don't worry, Danny. I got you. I got you. Uh, a quick word on Manchester City. Who is, oh, so, sorry, would in that situation would Cuba Gooding Jr. be Ivan Gazidis then? Yes, you've read down it on the other end. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Except it's face like to that. face. It's face to face and not over the phone. Oh, that's a dramatic scene. It yeah, is. yeah. I like it though. Right, you can have my money to make that up. All right, I'm, I'm get busy. the camera. I'm busy next week. I won't be on the pod. I'm too busy casting for my new <laughs> film. Who I am, Maguire. Uh, right, uh, 
looking at another top of the table sort of clash. Manchester City face Wolves fresh off their 9-0 drubbing of Burton Albion. This was a game that City dropped points earlier in the season. Do we think Wolves can uh, have another go at them or do we think it's going to be a step too far? Wolves this season have played much better against the big teams and like sort of drop points against the lower lower table teams. So it's, it's you know they, again they drew against City at the start of the season. It's generally a you know a match that they will be completely up for. Um, and I, I wouldn't again I wouldn't put it past them giving City a real challenge, uh, especially with you know City playing their uh, cup match this week. Uh, maybe a bit of tiredness in the squad. So I don't know. It'd be very interesting to see, and it will probably be a very another good game again. And I would love to see a Ruben Neves stunner like there was in the FA Cup uh, last weekend. Oh, what a goal! The man only scores wonder goals. It's incredible. <laughs> Eight of the nine goals he scored for Wolves, I think, have been from twenty-five yeah. plus something like that. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, like you said, Wolves. Uh, got a good result against Liverpool, didn't they? Uh, a sort of game where they actually looked the better. They've mm. done so well against the top six this year. And it's strange, really, because you think, because their record's so good and they have sort of floundered a bit against some of the lower teams. You think maybe that's because they're opening themselves up against the lower teams and they're a bit tighter than the top six. But no, they always give a good game to the top six. Yeah. It's, it's not they're like locking down and, you know, making themselves hard to beat defensively. Like, they're, they're fully attacking against these teams. Um, so it's amazing they've got that record. Uh, but, I mean, the way City's second string under-18s reserve squad played against Burton and still beat them, um, they're going to take that through with a lot of confidence for Wolves. Uh, but Nuno, um, yeah, he'll have every confidence as well. They've played very well this season. Well, I'd imagine for Wolves taking that Liverpool win uh, in the FA Cup and then before that, a victory over Spurs during the Christmas period, they'll take that and hopefully uh, try and look to replicate that over City. If we jump all the way to the other end of the table, a few relegation sort of scraps this weekend. Cardiff Huddersfield is one of them, Burnley Fulham being the other. Basically, is this a case of a must-win game for Huddersfield? because they're bottom of the table with 10. If they lose this, they will be potentially seven points adrift at the bottom of the table. No, a Huddersfield relegated. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no one's been as far behind as Huddersfield currently are going into the new year and survived. And um, Maybe that would be okay if they looked like they had some sort of spark of brilliance. Or they had like, you know, some relegation survivals are like brought on by just one like magical player. There's no one there that you think, wow, he could like propel them to a title or a team spirit or something. Or even the manager doesn't look like he's <laughs> instilling that much confidence or liveliness into the team. It just looks a bit all a bit dreary over in Huddersfield. Which is so I, I have no confidence. Which is surprising because last season they they gave such good fights. They beat Manchester United. They had a real terrier spirit, as David Wagner calls it. They really dug deep, and it just looks like that they've just run out of steam this season and and not been able to do it. Um, in terms of the other game, uh, Tim Burnley versus Fulham. Fulham lost in the cup to lower league opposition. Burnley just about edged Barnsley. 
Where do you see this one going? I mean, Burnley have started sort of scoring goals. Like, Chris Wood's got a couple. Um, I think Ashley Barnes got another one. Like, that's something new we haven't seen from them this season, is they're actually scoring. Um, but there's Fulham... See- uh, Burnley... <laughs> Burnley's version of scoring a lot of goals is scoring more than zero. (laughs) Yeah, but they've they've scored a few, and you know maybe that's what they need to beat Fulham, who are a bit shit, uh, concede a lot of goals. So you know if Fulham can play their best, I think they'll win. But Burnley have a chance if both teams are a bit scrappy and a bit not up to it. Right, that brings an end to our Premier League recap. Let's segue straight into the team of the millennium, Tim. Take it away. Yes, so this is our ongoing feature. Um, we are selecting the best players in the world since the year 2000. Currently in goal, we have Buffon, defender Maldini and Sergio Ramos. Uh, right back is Dani Alves, left back Philip Lahm. And the centre mids from last episode are Zinedine Zidane and Xavi. Uh, we now have the left and right midfielders. Uh, Alan, who have you picked and why? Um... Tricky to know where uh, people stand in this, really. Uh, right midfielders, obviously Ronaldo. Ooh. And it's where would you, where would you place uh, Messi? Mm. As a left midfielder, or as a forward? Mm. Are we doing a four-four-two? Are we doing a four-four-two? It's four-four-two formation. So yeah, the big, the big question is where do we put Messi and Ronaldo, basically? So. Uh, okay, I'll go. Ronaldinho then on left. So Ronaldo and Ronaldinho. Ronaldo and Ronaldinho, right left. Danny? I, I think I need very little argument with these, <laughs> to be honest. Danny? Uh, well, I, I'm going to argue on one of them. I, I've decided to put Lionel Messi on the right-hand side over Cristiano Ronaldo, but I've also gone with Ronaldinho on the left-hand side. Yeah, I am the same as well. I've gone with Ronaldinho on the left and Messi on the right. Uh, the argument for that being that I think Ronaldo in the like latter part of his career has shifted to a striker role. And when looking at the forwards, which I know we're not doing this episode, uh, there is one other clear player that I would put there alongside Ronaldo and then Messi can go in at right mid. So that was my reasoning for it. I don't know what you guys think. Alan, Ronaldo or Messi at right mid? Yeah, no, no, I get, I get what you mean, and he he scored a lot more of his goals and was, and well, won so many awards at Real Madrid from that left position. Maybe I just had a romantic view of him from his Real uh, Manchester United days, <laughs> bombing down the right. Uh, but no, no, you're probably right. The the left side for uh, Ronaldo is probably the best shout there. Can we? Um, hard to argue. Well, we're putting. Wow, so we've both gone for Ronaldinho at left mid. And then we've all, for Messi we've right, all gone so yeah, so we've all gone for Ronaldinho at left mid, and then sort of we're thinking we'll put Cristiano Ronaldo up front. So I'm happy to give Ronaldo a bye for this round. Yeah, we can leave him to the next if that is your choosing. Uh, Danny, do you think Messi or why do you think Messi is more suited to the right mid position over Ronaldo? Oh, good God! Sorry. <laughs> for a second, I thought you meant why should. Messi be in this team. I'm like, you cheeky bugger. <laughs> oh, um, I, I think Alan's probably summed it up as well. I think Messi has shifted between centre forward and right wing for Barcelona, whereas Ronaldo seems to have gone across the entire front line. And I think Messi's just been 
superb. You look at some of the performances, not only in La Liga, but Champions League performances. Messi's just, he plays such a free role and he can just drift in from that right-hand side and absolutely murder teams. So, yeah, no, no question for me. Equally, Ronaldo could have gone there, but I think he's probably done his best work from the left-hand side slash the striker role in, in more recent times. But I couldn't not put Ronaldinho at left mid. Yeah. The man made football fun. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think he was just... You've got to remember that uh, for, for, for the right mid, that Danny Alves is also playing behind Messi in this team. They were linked up so well at Barcelona. But uh, I think you're right at left mid for Ronaldinho. I mean, from a personal perspective, he's one of my favourite players ever because he was always the player that when the football came on, like ITV or the free TV, he was the player I wanted to watch. And that's what made me excited to like watch it was because when Barcelona came on, he knew Ronaldinho was going to play. And he was the most exciting player on the pitch, whoever was playing. Um, and that makes him almost a you know, step above anyone else, uh, which is probably what a lot of people see Messi as now, to be honest. But yeah, I think, yeah, not oh, have any qualms with Ronaldinho there. He was the reason kid, people of our generation went out back and tried to start doing skills. I mean, I remember sort of with a, the worst internet connection in the world trying to stream those uh, Jogger Benito oh. uh, Nike adverts so made by Ronaldinho just because of it's so effortless and joyful, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, you think of Ronaldo as this just machine and uh, and Messi's just a freak of nature, really, what he can do. But but Ronaldinho, it's, almost, it's just a party, isn't it? Every time he was touching the ball and he wasn't a physical... He wasn't an athlete particularly, was he? And that showed towards the end of his career. But what he was was fun and he just sort of lit up the field and was one of the only people to get the whole of the Real Madrid fans to stand up. Yeah. Very good. When he was uh, uh, the, during the Clasico, wasn't it? Yeah. Which, which just is a massive testament to the player. The fact that I think in an interview he said when he played football, he just had samba music in his head and that was all that was going as his... <laughs> He was dancing around players and his ponytails going one way or another. He just, he made football so yeah. bloody fun and, and scored some bloody good goals at the same time. I mean, Tim, the, no offence to Chelsea, but that goal he scored against Chelsea in the Champions League where he just dummies it and then just outside of the foot from the edge of the area and just leaves Czech for dead is one of my favourite goals from him. It's so good. No, you're right. It's one of it's one of my favourite goals from as well. It was against my team. No, no, no doubt that Ronaldinho is one of the best players ever, but certainly deserving to go in at left mid. So there we go. Uh, Ronaldinho at left mid. Messi at right mid. We've got a lot of thinking to do uh, for the strikers. Presumably one player will definitely be in there. Uh, and then we'll, of course, have, in two episodes' time, that one sort of recap of the entire team and make any changes we need to make. And need to select a manager as well. So all of that coming up. Very nice, very nice indeed. Right, to finish off this podcast, I thought I'd give you boys a little test of your January transfer knowledge. Don't worry, it's not from this one, but I thought it would make it a nice little running feature through January. At whatever point you think you know who the player is I'm describing, shout your name out and guess who the player is. Precursor, the player has always transferred somewhere in January, so I'll always be talking about a January transfer. Is everyone okay with the rules? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I swear to God, it comes up. He hasn't gone yet. <laughs> I will uh, not be impressed. Alan from last episode's time, do you remember that your name is indeed Alan and not uh. stop? Alan knows. And Tim, remember the aim of the game is to get questions correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll bear that in mind. 
Uh, I can only apologize. I couldn't help myself. Right. (laughs) Clue number one. He played for Paris Saint-Germain, Barcelona, and Rangers before moving to the Premier League. He has, of course, played for other clubs. Johnson. Adiga Johnson is not the correct answer. We will move on to the second one. Second clue. He moved to the Premier League from a Spanish side for £2 million. No, nothing. We'll carry on. He is a two-time FA Cup winner. I can see his face. (laughs) (laughs) He never made a senior appearance. Tim? I think this is wrong now. It's it's not. I was going to say Heze. It's not Hesse. Uh, he never made a senior appearance for the Spanish national side, despite representing them a, a number of times at youth level. Oh, I didn't know There's it at all. There's two clues left to go. Still nobody's right. got it. Okay. This one may not give it away for you. West Ham? He's won the Intertoto Cup with PSG. Oh. What's in that? 2000, the Intertoto <laughs> Cup in 2001. I've never heard of that. Older viewers will know what that is. Absolutely brilliant tournament. I think you got in on it for being... It's like the fight, the fair play ruling. That's how you got in on oh. it, I think. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, right, well, the last clue then, and this should give it away. The Premier League sides he played for were Everton and Arsenal. Tim. Shit. It wasn't who I thought it was. Uh... I'm going to need to accept an answer, Tim. I had the 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 um. Hang on, Everton. And, no, I've, I've forgotten. No, oh, no, that's not. I was going to say that. No, it's not Arsenal. Alan, um, he captained Arsenal. He captained, captained Arsenal. Pretty sure he captained Everton as well. What? Ah, <laughs> Mikel Arteta. Mikel Arteta ah, is the correct ah, answer. Ah, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad. He played for the Barcelona B and C team, was then loaned to Paris Saint-Germain for a season, then sold to Rangers, played for Real Sociedad before he moved to Everton, and then finally on to Arsenal before moving on to the Manchester City coaching bench. Oh, that was painful for week one. Alan takes a a one-point lead in the leaderboard. About going to wrap it up for this episode. Thank you very much for listening, as always. We always appreciate. We're now over a 1,000 listens, so so thank you so much to anyone who's listened to any episode from the World Cup part through to the Premier League part. Thank you so much. But from me, it's goodbye. Alan, Tim. Piss off. We'll be back next week. Bye. Au revoir. Bye.